You're listening to the Full and Thriving Podcast, a place where courageous women come to break free from food obsession, heal their relationship with their body, and strive to live a life that's present, lighthearted, and meaningful. If you're listening, my wish is that this podcast serves as a catalyst that inspires you to nourish your body, nurture your mind, and energize your spirit. I'm your host, Meg McCabe, a certified life coach and eating disorder recovery coach with a PhD in having a good time. Just kidding about that last part. Anyway, thank you so much for listening and enjoy the show. Hi, everyone. Welcome to another solo show of the Full and Thriving Podcast. I am so excited to be recording this for all of you today. I am currently all cozied up in Connecticut. We have a pretty big snow day happening today. I wish you guys could look out my window. I think we have maybe six inches of snow, and it's one of those days where there hasn't been any wind. So all of the trees have snow on the branches, and it just looks like a little winter wonderland. So I hope I can get outside a little today just for a few minutes. We all know I don't like to be cold, but it is beautiful. And it won't be beautiful for long because usually it gets mushy and gross very quick. But today it is absolutely beautiful. And I actually, out of all days, my friends and I booked a little like igloo at a restaurant. I don't know if they have these in other places in the world, but you can book these little clear tents that look like igloos and they heat them up and they're outside and you can roast s'mores. So my friends and I booked this about a month ago and we're all going to go there tonight and bring our blankets and we're going to have a winter wonderland igloo event. So I'm pumped for that. These are ladies I haven't seen in a few months. So yeah, things are going good. I just spent all of last week in Palm Springs at the IADEP conference. It was the first one that I went to ever, and I got to meet some incredible folks in the eating disorder recovery field. And as you all know, the majority of my work has been virtual since I became a coach, And so being able to meet many of the folks who I work with online in person was extremely exciting for me. And I also got to connect with some previous podcast guests, which was very fun. And I did some major recruiting for future guests. So stay tuned for that. It was definitely an awesome experience. I was in Palm Springs for about 10 days, which is the beauty of being able to work remotely. Dan came along too, and we took two days off, and they happened to be the absolute best weather days. So if you haven't been to Palm Springs, I highly recommend it. It has snow-capped mountains in the distance, and then palm trees, and a desert, and beautiful flowers everywhere. I felt like I was in the movie Jurassic Park, honestly. So if you're a person who loves the beautiful views and loves the nice weather, I think you should try it out. We went to the National Park Joshua Tree, which is actually the size of the state of Rhode Island, apparently. 
and we spent the day hiking and exploring around. We have this little ambition to become vloggers, and so we filmed a lot of the Joshua Tree excursion, which was pretty hilarious. So if I ever actually have a vlogging channel with Dan, I will let you guys know, but we were just practicing and having fun. It was really entertaining. But I will say there was one unexpected highlight of the trip that I wanted to tell all of you about immediately. And that was on one of the rainy days, Dan suggested that we go play some indoor basketball at the little resort we were staying at. And so I haven't touched a basketball since eighth grade. I had a terrible middle school experience and basketball was pretty much a huge part of why middle school was tough for me. So I honestly don't think I have touched a basketball since the day I quit the team. (laughs) But I'm telling you, the second I started dribbling the basketball and shooting around, I had the absolute biggest smile on my face. I could have played for the rest of the afternoon. It was so fun. I just couldn't believe that I had this very accessible form of joyful movement right in front of me that I had just forgotten about. And to be honest, I feel like the pressure of sports that I had from my hometown growing up took away the joy of basketball. I'm not really competitive when it comes to sports at all. I never really cared about winning tournaments or making the best team. So the competitive basketball growing up was just not my thing. But wow, I could not believe how fun it was. And also, this was hilarious. I felt like I was so much better at dribbling because who knew that basketball was a lot easier when you have full-size adult hands. So I felt like I was better as a player than I was back in the day because I could actually dribble and control the ball decently. But anyway, that's going to be added to my joyful movement list immediately, and I'm hoping to do more of that as the weather gets nicer. Okay, I know I've been updating all of you a lot with personal stuff, but I also wanted to let you know that as of yesterday, we are officially selling full and thriving merch. So that means stickers, mugs, sweatshirts, and tote bags, etc. I'm personally obsessed with the mugs, so go check them out. The link is in the show notes. Or you can go on Etsy and just search for The Recovery Collective Etsy Shop, and you'll pull up all of the merch right away. I have designed a little mug that says PhD and having a good time. And I know that for some of you, that's your favorite line of the intro. So go snag that mug. There's also some Meg and Ann Claire show merch and Recovery Collective merch on there. We dropped all of this on March 1st, which I have invented a national holiday called Merch First. So go ahead and grab your merch first swag and support your favorite podcast and your favorite YouTube channel and membership, whatever it is. It would make my day if you guys go ahead and support what I'm doing in that way. So go check that out. Okay, 
Anyway, long story short is today I want to talk about honoring your hunger. I recently did a group coaching presentation on this to the members of the Recovery Collective, and they all found it really helpful. So I thought it would be a helpful podcast episode for all of you. So to begin with, I just want to start by reminding all of you that when you have an eating disorder, often your hunger signals disappear. And this is because your body is undernourished and it's actually using all of its limited energy, so the limited calories it is getting, to keep your brain and heart functioning. So that's why when you're in an undernourished state, your physical health declines because there's not enough energy in your body for it to carry out proper functions. So calories aren't just expended through exercise. They are expended through things like giving your body hunger signals. So baseline, if you don't feel hunger at all right now, first of all, I see you and I know there are some of you listening that don't feel hunger. But please know that there is a reason for it. And sometimes it's a symptom of having an eating disorder. So if you fall into this category, please work with a dietitian to make sure you're eating regularly and enough food so that you can slowly but surely restore these hunger cues. So when you do experience hunger, I first want all of you to check in with yourself and honestly ask yourself, How does hunger make you feel? What emotions come up when your body starts to feel hungry? I typically find that many of my clients experience things like confusion or shame or fear or anxiety when they start to feel hunger. I know that when I had my eating disorder, I definitely felt a little bit of anxiety. I started overthinking. I started thinking about food a lot. I was also pretty irritable. I would get hangry. I would snap at others when I felt hungry. So I want you to check in with yourself and how are you currently experiencing hunger? And I also want you to check in with yourself and ask what eating disorder thoughts are triggered by your experience of hunger. I hear so many different thoughts with the members of the collective and my clients, and some of those thoughts around hunger are things like, I shouldn't be hungry already, or I'm a bad person for feeling this way, or I just ate X hours ago, or I should wait longer to eat, or if I eat now, I can't eat later, or if I eat now, what if I can't stop eating? So suddenly, hunger triggers this experience of thinking that overcomplicates the entire experience. And when we look at what a non-disordered person thinks when they experience hunger, it's a very different internal experience. It is not an emotional roller coaster. As a recovered person, when I feel hungry, my first thought is, okay, time to eat. And it is not this emotional uproar. It's not a roller coaster. 
It's a peaceful experience. It's just like if my body tells me I have to pee. It's not complicated. I don't question it. I don't shame myself for having to pee. I just go to the bathroom. Same thing with eating. I don't shame myself. I don't overthink it. I don't feel negative emotion. If anything, I'm excited that I'm going to eat food soon, but it's not complicated. So remember, if your hunger is complicated to you, it might be a sign that there is an eating disorder or some sort of disordered eating going on. So I want you to reflect, what are your fears related to hunger? And what challenges do you have with honoring your hunger? I know that some folks think that if they honor their hunger, they won't be able to eat more later. Or if they honor their hunger, they will never stop eating. Or if they honor their hunger, they're going to gain weight. And that's, of course, something they're scared of in this very weight-stigmatized world. So reflect on your fears related to hunger and just know that your body isn't lying to you. It truly wants you to be happy, healthy, and safe. So it will give you that signal when you need to eat. I know diet culture will tell you that, oh, you're not hungry, you're just bored. Do you know that that's basically classic gaslighting commentary? Or you're not hungry, you're just thirsty, have some water instead. Those are all gaslighting comments that diet culture puts into your head to make you question your experience of being hungry. You know when you feel hungry, right? Hunger and thirst are very different experiences. I've told you this on the podcast before. Same with hunger and boredom, right? They're very different experiences. So make sure that you are checking in and that you're not confusing yourself because of diet culture or because of your eating disorder. I know your eating disorder also likes to overcomplicate this as well. So Part of reconnecting with your hunger and honoring your hunger is by starting to get in tune with body cue awareness. And a fancy word for that, which we've brought up on the show before, is introceptive awareness. And by the way, what I'm sharing about today comes from the intuitive eating workbook mostly. So definitely go get your hands on that if you haven't. But I would define introceptive awareness as the innate ability to perceive the sensations that arise from within your body. So keyword there is innate. We are born with the ability to perceive these sensations that come from our body, and they are really signals and forms of communication that we can become more and more attuned to. Unfortunately, There are so many things in life that can disrupt our connection with our body, which I'll get into in a second, but introceptive awareness is a direct experience of your physical body that gives you information about your current state and your needs, and hunger is an example of this. I also wanted to add here that some folks with neurodivergence have more difficulty connecting with their introceptive awareness. So if you have ADHD or if you have autism, 
Those are diagnoses that sometimes correlate with low introceptive awareness. And I'm sure there are other forms of neurodivergence that I'm missing here, but keep that in mind if you also are autistic or you have ADHD. So the other types of body cues, so if we're thinking about body cues and body attunement and introceptive awareness, other types of body cues you might be more familiar connecting with are things like your heartbeat, having a full bladder, like I mentioned, having a rush of heat when you're feeling embarrassed or stressed, fullness is a body cue, sleepiness, and stress. And I want you to think of these body sensations as neutral. They are not right or wrong. And when you start to label these as right or wrong, if you start to label your sleepiness as wrong, that's when you start to overthink your sleep, right? So I want you to check in and ask yourself, how good am I at noticing my body cues in general? I know that, for instance, with hunger, there are so many folks who go from zero to 100 with their hunger from the get-go. And to be honest, there is such a range of physical experience that you can connect with before you get to that 100-level intense hunger. I'm going to go into some of the mental and physical signals of hunger, and I want to throw out there that when you are hungry, your body tries to get your attention in many ways, physically and mentally. So if you are ignoring your hunger signals, your body is really crafty and it will come up with very inventive ways to get you to receive the message that you need to eat. So I want you to get honest with how you experience hunger. And please remember that everyone experiences hunger differently and it manifests differently from one person to the next. One classic example is a rumbling tummy. That seems to be the universal commentary around hunger is that's what is required for someone to know that they're hungry. And that's not true at all. Some people do not have a rumbling tummy ever, but they still experience signals of hunger in different forms. So some examples of physical and mental signals of hunger include, so in your head, cloudy thinking, lightheadedness, headaches, difficulty focusing, difficulty concentrating, and then increased thoughts of food and eating. And I want to reiterate this to everyone. Your food obsession is a hunger signal. Increased thoughts about food and eating is a hunger signal. So there you have it. If you feel like 90% of your brain space 70%, 100% of your brain space is focused on food. That is your body's crafty way of getting you to survive and getting you to receive the message, hey, time to eat. Do you want to eat? <laughs> I know when I had my eating disorder, I was thinking about food all the time. I was obsessing about food all the time. And I would even watch cooking shows because I just loved the thought of food. So if you're doing that sort of thing, you are probably hungry. 
I know there are so many people with eating disorders that call themselves foodies. And I really want you to be like honest about this. Are you really a foodie or are you hungry and just thinking about food a lot? Maybe if you fed yourself, you wouldn't be as much of a, quote, foodie as you think. Other signs of physical and mental hunger include a dull ache or a gnawing feeling in your neck or throat. In your stomach, you might feel rumbling or gurgling, gnawing, or an emptiness. But again, signs of like stomach hunger isn't always present. Next, your mood might change. You might feel irritable or cranky, and you might even have to work harder to refrain from snapping at people, right? So there was a point in Palm Springs where Dan and I wanted to go explore an outdoor market, and I just was a tad bit too hungry to do exploring. It was like eat now or potentially snap, and I don't want to do that. So I was like, hey, I think we should go get food and come back to this outdoor area tomorrow. And that's what we did. So I was aware that my mood was changing and that I was getting to that hangry department, if you know what I'm saying. Okay, next energy level is another sign of hunger. So if your energy is waning or maybe you're exhausted or feeling really sleepy, that's also a signal that you are hungry. There could also be a dullness of your day-to-day and maybe apathy to doing anything. And then finally, you might just feel this general lethargy or numbness. And of course, this list is not an exhaustive list. There are other signals of hunger that you might experience. Like for me, sometimes hunger creates a sense of urgency in my body. And I've never really seen that in like lists like the one I just read to you. But I know that when I'm really hungry, I start to get like a little bit, I don't know, like I just feel this urgency to get food. So that's a signal, you know, it's time to eat. So I want you to check in with yourself and see what else is a sign that you're hungry and Try not to judge yourself or overthink it. Just recognize this is how my body works. This is a sign my body is is using to communicate with me that it is time to eat. And that is it. It's as simple as that. So remember, hunger is a unique experience for everyone. I highly recommend that you talk to your dietitian about the hunger scale. Some people love checking in using the hunger scale. And so for those of you who don't know what a hunger scale is, it is just a scale from zero to 10, zero being ravenous and 10 being absolutely stuffed and recognizing that there is a range of physical experiences between being ravenous and stuffed. So somewhere uncomfortably hungry or peckish or uncomfortably full. So as you move along the scale, the level of hunger to fullness changes. And I want you to look at this scale when you get the chance and just ask yourself, when do you allow yourself to start eating? Would you allow yourself to start eating 
out of five when you're saying to yourself, hmm, I could eat right now. Or at a four when you are getting a little hungrier? Or do you have to suffer all the way to a zero and become ravenous before you give yourself permission to eat? And I want to let you know that is an extremely uncomfortable experience. I want you to start giving yourself permission to eat as soon as you feel a little bit of hunger, even if it's not at your quote, designated lunchtime or snack time, I want you to think of hunger as a very fluid thing. And there is nothing wrong with responding to hunger as soon as it occurs. You do not have to wait until lunchtime at the office to eat. I remember I would start to feel hungry at 10 a.m. when I worked in an office, and I would go ahead and have at least a snack And then sometimes I'd eat lunch early. It was a very flexible experience for me. And I wouldn't get mad at myself if I felt hungry sooner than I typically did during the day. And that's still the case now. For instance, there are days where I feel hungrier maybe sooner after breakfast than I typically do. And instead of getting frustrated or annoyed, which I see many of my clients do, or even fearful, I just get curious about my hunger. I ask myself, hmm, I wonder what's making me more hungry today. Did my breakfast meet my needs? Maybe there was something missing to it and I should add that or keep that in mind. Maybe I have had more movement today. Maybe I am recovering from an illness. Maybe my body's immune system is working hard. Maybe I'm more stressed. Maybe I, oh man, there's like a list of things. Maybe my body is fighting something off. Like all of those things use energy and would cause you to feel hungrier sooner. So there's nothing wrong with you if your hunger is appearing at weird times of the day, or at least weird to you. There's really no weird times to feel hungry, but maybe you're interpreting it as a time you, quote, shouldn't be hungry. And I just want to remind you that your body is not a machine and there are going to be moments where you feel hungry and you're not really sure why and just get curious about that and then respond to the hunger neutrally. And that is how you create body trust. That's how you start intuitive eating is recognizing that if you respond to it, you're going to create a secure relationship with your body. And that is extremely important when it comes to healing. Okay, so I did want to share a little bit about attunement disruptors. So we're talking about honoring our hunger. And you need to be connected to your body in order to notice and interpret your body's hunger cues, right? So... Attunement disruptors are anything that interferes with your ability to hear and respond to the needs of your body in a timely manner. And attunement disruptors could be things like distractions or thoughts or rules or beliefs you have or even lack of self-care. So more specific examples include skipping meals, smoking, multitasking while eating, sleep deprivation, over-drinking, 
not resting or relaxing, critical self-talk, numbing feelings with other maladaptive coping skills, phone use, and even comparison. So if you're constantly comparing your body to someone else's, that's going to get in the way of you listening to your body, right? If you're going to be overly critical of yourself, you're not going to want to respond to those signals, right? So you need to make sure to take care of yourself. Make sure to incorporate some self-care into your routine. Try to slow down. Notice what I just shared on this list you might be engaging in that's disrupting your connection with your body. Okay, so I wanted to also mention, now that we've mentioned the disruptors, there are some ways you can get back in touch with your body. And this is a very fun explorative process that I encourage you to do. Getting in touch with your body again is a very unique experience. Things that people do, for instance, meditation, that's a way that people get in touch with their body. Although that might not be how you get in touch with your body. So I find it really important for you to try various things out and check in to see how that feels as far as building that connection up goes. So meditation is an example. There's yoga. There's time in nature. I feel very connected to my body when I spend time in nature. I love being outdoors. I love the awe and wonder I feel when I'm outdoors. The fun of being in nature really helps me get back into my body. Also, dancing helps me get back in touch with my body. Rest is a big one. Oh my gosh, I wish all of you could just give yourself permission to rest regularly and enough day to day. Rest is truly a very productive thing to do. And proof here is that resting actually helps you get in touch with your body's cues, like hunger. Who would have thought? Also, getting enough sleep, nourishing your body, regular checkups to the doctor, joyful movement, taking technology breaks can help you get back in touch with your body. I know many of us like to distract and avoid emotions with our phones, but did you also know it can cause you to avoid physical sensations as well because you're mentally, cognitively distracted and out of touch with what you are physically feeling? And then another little tip on how to get back in touch with your body is wearing comfortable clothes. I know that when I was deep in my eating disorder, I was very obsessed with fashion and I would go to school wearing extremely uncomfortable clothes where I felt like I had to sit in certain positions or stand in certain ways for those clothes to fit right. And what that did was that made me feel terrible about my body and more critical about my body at all hours of the day because I was being constantly reminded by my clothes that weren't fitting me properly so wearing comfortable clothes will shift you away from criticizing your body to just being in your body and existing and living in your body. And really to end my 
topic today about honoring your hunger, I just want to remind you that you do not have to be hungry to eat. So again, you do not have to be hungry in order to eat. You are allowed to eat out of fun. You are allowed to eat emotionally. You are allowed to eat during social experiences, boredom, holidays, all the things. You can eat out of politeness and kindness to someone who offers you something spontaneously. You can eat to demonstrate gratitude for someone who has made you dinner. (laughs) Just because you're not hungry doesn't mean you shouldn't eat. So you do not have to be hungry in order to eat. Actually, when I shared this topic with the Recovery Collective just a few weeks ago, one of the members brought up that eating when you're not hungry can also be an intuitive choice. So for instance, if you aren't hungry, but you know you're going to have a full day of activity ahead, it's intuitive to eat preemptively so that you're not caught in a bind during the activity and in that state of extreme hunger that you don't really want to ever be in, right? So it's actually an intuitive move sometimes to eat when you're not hungry. And I think that provided an amazing aha moment for the group. Maybe you aren't hungry currently, but you know that you're going to go to the gym and you want to make sure your body is fueled. So you eat because of that. Maybe you usually eat dinner at 7 p.m., but your friends have planned dinner at 9 p.m. It might make sense for you to eat something around 7 and then also eat at 9 to engage with your friends. This is a part of recovery that's all about flexibility and fluidity. And it might not look like a full meal at nine, but at least you don't starve yourself past your normal dinner time at seven and go all the way from lunchtime or snack time to nine without eating, right? So you want to think about preventing being super hungry in the first place too. And that can be an intuitive choice. So kind of a mind-blowing concept, which I really loved that one of our members brought up. So shout out to that member. You know who you are. I could go on about this topic forever. I also have so many thoughts on fullness that I would love to share with you down the road. So please let me know if this one helped you and if you'd like to hear me share more about fullness. And yeah, that's it for today. I hope you enjoyed this episode. If you did enjoy this episode, I would sincerely appreciate a review on iTunes. And don't forget that the merch is available. So if you heard me mention it in the beginning of this episode and forgot, this is your second reminder to go check it out and get your Full and Thriving podcast merch and support me and the show and Bob, the amazing editor who helps me every single week. So you guys are the best. Thank you so much for being here week to week. I truly appreciate you. I am rooting for you every step of the way. And if you ever need support, 
please reach out to me in my DMs. I can connect you with resources or perhaps we could work together one-on-one. So thank you again, and I will talk to all of you very soon.